Support for Perspectives comes from Leaf Cabraser Hyman and Bernstein, seeking justice for the injured, victims of fraud, whistleblowers, employees, and investors in the Bay Area and nationally for over five decades. Online at lchb.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed I love nearly all the creatures that inhabit our planet. For me, a banana slug is the epitome of grace and form. The naked head and see-through nostrils of a turkey vulture excites me like that of no other bird. And even the lowly possum has a kind of inner beauty that I find touching. But as a card-carrying naturalist, I must reluctantly confess a deep-seated dislike for yellow jackets. Sorry. I assume this antagonism dates from my early childhood. As a wee lad of five, I ventured too close to a hive and was promptly attacked and repeatedly stung in the ear and head over and over. As a teenager, I would often push the lawnmower over yellow jacket nests and get stung. They often build their paper nest underground in abandoned gopher holes. And once while I was riding my motorcycle, a yellow jacket flew into my mouth and stung my tongue. I grew to hate them. This summer, there have been a lot of yellow jackets for some reason in my backyard. And unlike our useful honeybees, yellow jackets sometimes sting without provocation. I've seen them just land on a hand and zap the person. And as if this weren't bad enough, they then release a chemical that attracts all the other yellow jackets in the neighborhood. So what good are these little beasts besides making more yellow jackets? What role do they play in the natural scheme of things? Well, they eat nearly everything, including rotten carcasses and spilled soft drinks. So they act as scavengers, keeping the world a bit tidier and reminding us to pick up after ourselves. Fortunately, there are a few natural predators that help to limit the population. Birds like black phoebes will eat a few, and western toads will sit outside the hive and snag them as they fly out. But one of the most effective control are striped skunks. These nocturnal predators dig out entire nests and consume the larvae, eggs, and even the adults. How they tolerate the stings is a mystery to me, but I'm glad they do. I wish I had one of these smelly mammals in my backyard, uh, but maybe just for a couple of nights. This is Michael Ellis with a perspective. Support for Perspectives comes from Leaf Cabracer, Hyman, and Bernstein, seeking justice for the injured, victims of fraud, whistleblowers, employees, and investors in the Bay Area and nationally for over four decades. Online at lchb.com. Support for Perspectives comes from Leaf Cabraser, Hyman and Bernstein, seeking justice for the injured, victims of fraud, whistleblowers, employees, and investors in the Bay Area and nationally for over five decades. Online at lchb.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.